Thank you, Gene. Well, it's good to see you here this morning. Like I say, we can kind of look around. We still got a number of people that uh, are out. I know we got some people gone. They're, they're camping this weekend. I don't know where they're at, but I hope they're dry. And uh, and then we still got some people out that's uh, due to this coronavirus. We've got some people out due to death. Uh, Y'all know John and Glenna Shumate, their daughter, passed away. They uh, took her off of the ventilator, off of the life support, and she passed. And uh, they don't know anything about when the funeral is going to be yet because they don't know exactly when they're going to get the body back. We're not even sure there's going to be a funeral. I just have to kind of wait and see. But y'all keep John and Glennis, and her, the girl's name is Priscilla. And y'all keep her husband, Riley, in prayer. Because he's really going through a tough time right now. And uh, he needs all the prayers that he can get. Had a friend of the church pass away. His name is Tip Bumgardner. They live out here at Boyd. live next to their neighbors with uh, Walter and Don and Trish here. And, uh, but he had cancer. He passed away. <coughs> Well, we had uh, Jimmy, excuse me, Jimmy Seymour's funeral, they came, and he made a mention to me when I went out there, he wanted to talk to me, and he made a mention of something to me, he said, you know, he said, I hadn't felt what I felt in a long time. He said, uh, when I walked into your church, he said, I had such a feeling come over me. He said, it felt like I was right in the presence of God. And just a little bit later, one of his relatives had passed, and they left him a little bit of some money. I don't know how much, but he called me and wanted to know if I would come out there. He said he just really felt like he needed to tithe to this church. That's when we had the air conditioner stolen and everything. He said, I want to do something to help you. He gave us a very nice donation. He said, I just thought about you. I thought about your church. And he said, I felt the presence of God. Well, his wife, Dee, I talked to her for quite a while last night on the phone. Uh, he will be buried in, in uh, Boyd at the Boyd Cemetery. And uh, they don't know when yet because he was cremated. They said it'll be three or four weeks even before they, they get the, the ashes back. So I will get with her, but I will do his service, you know. And uh, I do want to thank all of you who brought food up here for Lynn when, when Harold passed away. Had plenty of food, really nice. Did his service in Boyd. Harold had a beautiful service. Not what I did, but it's what the fireman did. <laughs> but uh, as we was going back, I was kind of shocked the way we went. We left Boyd, and we turned on Knob Hill Road. And I said, surely they're going to the right cemetery, you know, because there's other little cemeteries. But then we went on down, and then we turned on Jaybird, which goes right into 199. There's a church there. It used to be called Outreach of Love. They changed the name of it now to Legacy Church. 
But there in the parking lot was a fire, another fire truck. <clears throat> Those firemen were out there saluting Harold as, as the hearse went by. We turned on 199, went back toward Azel. As we got there at Lahana, that's where the Lahana Fire Department is. Well, okay, everything started slowing down. I saw the fire truck turn right there to go in where the fire hall was. That fire truck turned, the hearse turned behind it. They went around, the fire truck drove through the fire station, and they brought Harold's body through the fire station for the last time. They all have call letters. As they was going down the road, different fire departments was calling Harold on his last watch, telling him goodbye. We turned there on Stewart Street going to Ash Creek Cemetery. There was another fire truck, one of these big ladder trucks. That ladder was extended probably about as high as it would go. What did you have? You had the American flag flying as a hearse went under it. He had a beautiful ceremony, and he deserved it. He deserved it. But that is my first time to experience that. And it's something I will never forget. I was so touched. There was so much love between you know, like your fire department, your policemen and all that, that they will do anything for each other. They went all out because of their love for Harold. He had been their fire chief there at Lahana for 25 years. And they was just saying goodbye in a very proper and respectful way. So that was just quite an experience. And I wanted to share that with y'all. I don't know if, y'all, if you've ever been involved in anything like that or not. But if you ever are, and you have that opportunity, do it. It's very touching. It's, it's sincere. It's not put on. It's not fake. But it's sincere. And that's what really counts. And uh, so let's also keep Linda Bowen and Jerry both in prayer. You know, Linda's in rehab. She had fell and broke uh, the bone just above the knee where she had a knee replacement. And they did, uh, they put in plates and stuff to strengthen all that up. Now she's doing rehab. And uh, and Jerry, <clears throat> he's still, don't get out of the house. I went over there the other day, took him some food uh, after we had fed the family. I gathered up some stuff and took it to Jerry over there and uh, talked with him for a little while. And uh, But he says he's feeling pretty good. He's just staying in because, you know, Jerry's in his last stages of COPD. So he can't really afford to get out and, and, and take anything that, you know, because that would just about do Jerry in. Uh, Rodney Holder, he's home. He's doing better. His kidney functions have uh, picked up, kind of stabilized. And I know Rhonda wants to thank everybody for their prayers, lifting Rodney up. And uh, God heard him. And he touched Rodney. And now Rodney's home out of the hospital. Uh, 
Benny Husband, some of y'all know him. He's been he's been staying there with Roy and Pat and Sam and them. Well, he had to go in. He had he had pneumonia, double pneumonia, I think they said, didn't they? And uh, but he's doing better. And uh, so y'all still keep him in prayer. We don't know exactly what his situation is going to be when they release him yet. And uh, y'all keep Elisa Hernandez in prayer. She's doing good hey you know she had the cancer and they put her on a pill and she's just doing great is what Julio said says she's really responding to it and so y'all keep praying for her you know God still is answering prayer if we will lift them up and we lift them up in our heart and we're sincere God hears those prayers and he answers those prayers so I just wanted to update you on a couple things there. And uh, and like I said, I was just so impressed with Harold's funeral service of what those firemen did. It was, it was great. And just a lot of love. Uh, today, I want to wish all you fathers, grandfathers, happy Father's Day. And uh, so, if you're a father or a grandfather, happy Father's Day. I, was, I didn't really get to do what I wanted to do for Father's Day. I hope you got your pen. You should have got a pen. And uh, I got so tied up in funerals and deaths and stuff like that that uh, I lost track of time. So it's my fault, and I'm, I apologize. I'll make it up to you. And... Uh, but before, just right before we get into our uh, service and everything, I would just like, for the, just for the women, I want to say something to y'all. You know, when a man says something to a woman, you don't always understand what he's saying. You know how us dads are, we kind of mumble around, we don't just spit it out. But I want to give you just a hint of what, I'm, of what a man is saying to you. When a man says, oh, hon, it would just take too long to explain it. What he's actually saying is, I have no earthly idea how that works. <laughs> you know, just so y'all know. Uh, when a man says, uh, take a break, honey. You're working too hard. You know what he's saying? Honey, shut off that vacuum cleaner. I can't hear the ball game. And when he says, oh, honey, that's very interesting. In other words, he's saying, you mean you're still talking? And then when he says, well, honey, can I help you with dinner? What he's actually saying, isn't it ready yet? And then, I know, this is me. When he says, I can't find it. Where's it at? In other words, it didn't just fall right into my hand, so I have no earthly idea where it's at. And when a man says, oh, honey, you look terrific, what he's saying, oh, honey, please, don't try on one more outfit. We're already late, and I'm starving to death. And then when that man says, I'm not lost, I know exactly where I'm at. What he's actually saying is, honey, no one will ever see us alive again. 
So just that was just to kind of let y'all know that what a man actually means when he says something. Now this is true. This is real short, but I want I want to do this one here. It says a mother was out walking with her four-year-old daughter. The little girl picked up something off the ground and was about to put it in her mouth. The mother took it away and said, "Don't do that." Why not? The child asked. Because it's been on the ground, the mother said. It's dirty and it's probably loaded with germs that could make you sick. The child looked at her mother with total admiration and said, Mommy, how do you know all this stuff? You're so smart. The mother said, All moms know this stuff. It's on the mom's test questions. And you have to know it or they won't let you be a mom. Then there was a silence for a moment. As the, child, as, the, as the child thought this through, and then a minute that child said, oh, I understand it. If you don't pass the test, then you have to be a daddy. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, welcome to Father's Day. You know, Father's Day is a whole lot like Mother's Day, except the gifts are a lot cheaper. Well, I just wanted to share that with you. I read that. I said, I've got to tell somebody this. So as uh, here on Father's Day, I would like to speak for just a few minutes on uh, Jairus. He was a father. But, you know, we don't hear a whole lot about Jairus as being a father. But this was a very loving father. He cared deeply about his daughter. And his faith was in Jesus Christ. A lot of people don't realize this because he was a ruler of the synagogue. You know, he was like the Pharisees, the Sadducees. But Jairus loved Jesus Christ. He believed that Jesus was who he said he was. He believed that Jesus was the Son of God. He believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He believed. And therefore, Jairus is going to see a miracle take place right in his own home. On this Father's Day, I would, like I said, I want us to look at, J, at, at Jairus, who because of his love for his daughter and his faith in Christ, was able to see a great miracle performed in his house. You know, I want us to see some things that we can all learn just from Jairus' example. Like I said, you don't read a whole lot about Jairus except just about right here in this one little part. But Jairus was not ashamed to seek Jesus. He wasn't afraid to go out and look for Jesus. Here in Mark 5.22 through 5.23, it says, And behold, there came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He humbled himself right before the very presence of Jesus. He didn't care who saw him. He wanted Jesus to know, I believe in you, and I need your help. I believe you are the Son of God. When we come to Jesus and humble ourselves, things are going to happen. Things are going to take place. Now, Jairus really felt like his daughter was going to be healed. She was sick. We'll see this in just a minute. And, but he humbled, he humbled himself. He was showing his faith in Jesus to Jesus. He was showing, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you're my Messiah. And then here in verse 23 it says, And he besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. 
I pray you or I beg you to come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and that she will live. Now, Jairus is saying right here, all my faith and all my trust is in you. If you will just come to my house, if you will just touch my daughter, if you will just speak the words over her, I know that she will live. I know that she will be healed. This was the faith that Jairus was showing, not just to Jesus himself, but to all those who were around Jesus. You know, he didn't mind humbling himself. He didn't mind going to his knees. He didn't mind falling on his knees before Jesus. How many of us would do that? How many of us would come and fall on our knees before Jesus to show our faith, our love for him? When we expect when we express that kind of love toward Jesus, we get Jesus' attention. We get his attention. He hears us. And he was listening to Jairus. And Jairus' motivation for Jesus to come was based on his faith in Jesus, his belief in Jesus. He believed, like I said, Jesus was the Son of God. And two, he loved his little daughter so much that he wanted Jesus to come to his house. He wanted Jesus to come to his daughter. He felt in his heart, Jesus, if you'll just come, I've got all the faith in the world. I know that you're going to heal her. This was a faith that Jairus was showing. And uh, like I said, he said Jairus was a leader or he was a ruler in the synagogue. But he was not ashamed for others, Jews, Gentiles, he didn't care who they were. He didn't care if it was the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He didn't care who it was. He wanted them to know about his faith in Jesus. After all, Jairus had a large stake, and that was the life of his daughter. He loved his daughter so much, and I don't. Think, I think all fathers love their daughters. I know they're just something about a father and a daughter. You know, I, whenever we had our child, we had one child, and it was a girl. It was, a, it was my daughter. And I kept telling everybody, you know, back then, oh, I'm going to have a boy. No, it's going to be a boy. No, I know it's going to be a boy. Well, it was a girl. I wouldn't trade that girl for all the boys there are. She was special. God gave me a gift through my daughter. He put such a love in my heart for somebody there's not anything that I would not have done or still want for my daughter because of the love I have for her. Well, that's how Jairus was. He loved his little daughter so much. He didn't care what people thought. He didn't care what people said. He was going to get Jesus to come to his house. The world needs more dads who will seek Jesus with a boldness. We don't need these secret agents out running around. We need boldness, seeking Jesus, talking about Jesus, witnessing for Jesus, telling people about Jesus, who he is, what he's done. You probably got, I know I see people in here, I know that you have a testimony on the inside of you about what Jesus has done in your life, how he has healed you, how he saved you, how he has taken care of you. Now, you talk about a testimony that you could give to somebody that may turn their whole life around 
and let them accept Jesus Christ. A lot of people know you. They know what you've been through. You know, there's three people right back here. Glenda, Weldon, and Michael. Michael just lost Julie here a while back. Very shortly. He loved his man. Weldon lost his mom. Glennis, a daughter-in-law. And they loved her so much, but yet their faith is still here. It's still strong. They know where Judy's at. They know they're going to see her again. She went through so much stuff. But she's whole, she's healed, and she's well. And they're going to see her again. And that's the way they're going to see her. Whole, healed, and well. It's not going to be this diabetes. It's not going to be fingers and toes missing. All that's going to be totally complete. She's going to be Julie. And that's who they're going to see. So their faith has not wilted. Their faith has not got below any time it was. Even when I was in Julie at the hospitals and different things, their faith was always strong. Their faith was always there. They believed, and Julie truly believed. I've talked to Julie, and she totally believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. She loved him. She went through a lot, but she's now home with him. Like I said, total, well, whole, and healed. Praise God, that's where she's at. She never lost her faith. Sometimes, you know, it's so easy when we go through an event, a tragedy, that we want to blame God. And many times, God looks at that person. Just like this little girl here, J.R.'s his daughter. You know, we don't know. It doesn't tell us what was wrong with her. But she was very, very sick. We never know what lies ahead. I've had people ask me, well, why did God take my loved one? I don't have it right here. Uh, David, can you put up Isaiah chapter 57, verse 1 on the screen? This kind of gives us an answer. This is an answer I would give a lot of people. When somebody dies, it really kind of says, where no man lays it to heart. It says, the righteous perish, and no man lay it to his heart. Or really get you out of his heart, what happened? And merciful men are taken away, none considering or thinking about that the righteous is taken away from the evil that is to come. They could be going through something a whole lot worse than what they are right now. And God says, no. I'm bringing you home to me. You're not going through that. That's what could have happened to this little girl, Jairus' daughter. But he kept hollering for Jesus. He kept hollering for Jesus. And, and like I said here, here in Psalms, uh, chapter 9, verse 10, and it says, and those that know your name, talking about God, those that know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken them that seek you. God has not forsaken us. He is there. And it's in, 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 in one of the verses, it said that, that, that when you diligently search for me, God says, when you diligently, with all your heart, search for me, you will find me. We have to really search for God. 
God wants us to, to really search for him, to really want him in our heart. And he says, and when you get to that point and you really search for me, you will find me. And he says, and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you did not know. We need answers sometimes. God says, I want to give you answers. I want to give you those answers. No, Jairus was not ashamed to bring Jesus into his home. Would you be ashamed for Jesus to come into your home? Would you like for Jesus to come to your house and visit? Here in Mark 5.24 says, And Jesus went with him. John said, Jesus, come to my house, see my daughter, visit with her. It says, And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Or they was crowding around. There were so many people. They was pressing against Jesus, pushing on him. That was the crowd that was following him. You know, there was many, says, many times crowds followed Jesus. It wasn't so much as, as they actually believed in Jesus, but they wanted to see what Jesus was going to do next. They wanted to see what he was going to do. They were curious. What's he going to do now? What's Jesus going to do? But you know, the more that saw Jesus' miracles come to pass, the more that believed and accepted him as the Messiah. That's what we need to do. We need to, to have the miracles. God is still a God of miracles. He is still doing miracles in people's lives. Don't think he's not. He has been a God of miracles. He is still a God of miracles. He will always be a God of miracles because he says, for I am the Lord your God and I change not. He hadn't changed. He is still a God of miracles. You know, even in spite of all the political pressure, the peer pressure, the pressure from the Pharisees, Jairus didn't give in. He publicly, in front of everybody, asked Jesus to come to his house. Jairus didn't care what others thought or what they th even you know, thought or, or, or thought about him asking Jesus to come home with him. That's why, you know, Jesus would even go to a sinner's house. He would even go to, he would even go to Juanita's house. She asked him. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Jesus, is a, he loves us so much that he wants to do things for us. He wants to heal our bodies. He wants to save our souls. He wants to give us eternal life. He, he wants the very best for us because we belong to him. We're his. You know, I think here we need more homes where Jesus is more than just a picture or a cross hanging on a wall. More than a picture or a cross hanging on a wall. A house that when people come in, that Jesus' presence is acknowledged. Jesus is part of my house. He lives here with me. He abides with me. His name in this house is honored. You know, I don't want anybody ever come into my house, start cussing, talking vulgar, or using God's name in vain because I will ask them to leave. I won't put up with it. 
That's my house. And God lives there too. I'm proud he made my I'm proud he's made his appearance there in my home. And a house where God's word is obeyed. I don't know, you know, this is your own business. But when you sit down at your at your dinner table, do you pray before you eat? Do you give God thanks for that food that's sitting there before you? Do you give God thanks that he's loved you enough he's provided for you? I bet you everyone sitting in here has not missed one meal. I don't care who's been out of work, what, this coronavirus. God has still supplied your needs according to his riches and glory through his son, Jesus Christ. He has, and he always will. For he said he's a God that changes not. Isn't that what we said a while ago? And it, that house is very important. And, and here in Psalms 27.1, listen to what it says here, and this is so true. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. When your house is built on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't care what kind of storm comes before it, it will stand. Jesus Christ is your support there. He's your foundation. The foundation is one of the most important parts of a house. That solid foundation. That's what every home needs is a solid foundation and the most solid foundation you can have is the presence of Jesus Christ living in your house. No, Jairus was not ashamed to put the welfare of his daughter first. No matter what anyone thought, and where he wanted her was in Jesus' hands. You know, like I said, I go to the hospitals quite a bit, or did for a while. I haven't been able to yet. I was fortunate to get to go in and see Harold when they took him off his ventilator. But they're still not letting us in. I don't know why. I, they feel like it's just virus, I guess. But why can we go everywhere else? You can go everywhere else. They don't stop you. But you cannot go into the hospital. And sometimes these people in the hospital need a prayer. They need anointing with oil. They need the hands laid on them. I believe that with all my heart. And any time, usually I'm out and going out, I always reach up there and get my little bottle of anointing oil and put it in my pocket. I carry it with me. The oil I have is oil from Israel. It is the real, true frankincense and myrrh. It's got such an aroma. But do y'all realize that in the Bible, God told them how to make that oil? This oil, the recipe or prescription for it, God gave it. And they're still using it today to make this frankincense and myrrh. God wanted this oil made. It's anointing oil. To pray, to pray over, put it up on the sick, use it to anoint it. I know I was over at uh, the Bramlett's house the other day visiting with Benny. He was in there sick. We had a good visit, good prayer. And before I left, they asked me if I would anoint their home. 
took out my little bottle of anointing oil after I'd prayed and anointed Benny and anointed their house and just simply asked God's presence to live in that house, to be there and to put his hedge of protection around it and keep them safe and to walk with them in that house. I pray that anybody would come into that house they would feel the presence of God. Everybody, you ought to do that to your house. You ought to anoint your house. Get you some anointing oil. Anoint it. Ask the presence of God to be in your house. That when somebody walks in there, they don't have to wonder. All of a sudden, they're going to feel something. They might ask you, man, it sure feels different in here. Well, God lives here and his presence is here. That's what you're feeling. Don't be ashamed of who God is in your life. Jairus was not ashamed of who God was and what God was going to do. You know, here in Mark, I'm going to read Mark. In chapter 5, verse 35 through 43, and it pretty well tells a story here. And I'll make a few comments as I go through here. It says, While he yet spoke, there came the ruler of the synagogue's there, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house a certain man which said to Jesus and Jairus, Your daughter is dead. Why do you trouble the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard this word that was spoken, he said unto, unto the ruler of the synagogue, or unto Jairus, Be not afraid, only believe. Now somebody just told you, your daughter is dead. What does Jesus say? Do not be afraid, but only believe. He's saying, trust in me, because I'm getting ready to show you a miracle. And Jesus allowed no man to follow him. He didn't let the crowd go with him. The only ones he took was Peter, James, and John, the brother James. Why? Just these three. I've run into this, and I know what Jesus is talking about. In a hospital, I've been there with, with somebody. There'll be four or five family members in there. There's so much negativity. They're so negative about prayer and everything else that it spoils what's going on. Think about something. When Joshua marched around Jericho seven times, one of the things that he told them, you do not utter a word, you do not say anything, you just march. Why? Because they would have gotten there. Why are we marching around? What is the purpose of us marching around this city seven times? There ain't nothing going to happen. That's why he told them to shut up. He didn't want negative stuff coming out of their mouth. And that's the way we need to be. We don't need a bunch of negative stuff coming out. You need positive. Have that positive thoughts from others with you, praying for you. Let other believers, if you've got people there that don't believe, ask them to leave the room. Because they are going to spoil everything. You only want negative, I mean, excuse me, positive people, not negative. And Jesus allowed, like I said, no man to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he came into the house of the ruler of the synagogue. He saw the problem. 
and them that wept and wailed greatly. Do you realize what was going on here? Do you realize back in that time, they paid people to come in and moan and groan and, whine and cry and do all that? This wasn't sincere. They were, they, they were paid mourners, wailers, to come in. It wasn't nothing from their heart. They didn't care about that daughter. They were being paid to moan and wail and cry. But that's what they did back then. That's how some of those people made a living. And when he was coming in, when Jesus, when he came into the room, he said to them, why do you make all this ado and weep? What are you doing? Look what he said. The damsel is not dead, but sleeps. Said, Wait a minute, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. Now look what happened. This is what I'm talking about being negative. Look at what it says. And they laughed him to scorn. They laughed at Jesus because he said, she's not dead. She's only asleep. They were so negative, they didn't believe at all. They didn't believe anything was going to happen. But when he had put them out, he made them leave. That's why I just said a while ago, if you've got negative people in a room doubting your prayers, doubting Jesus Christ, doubting that that person can be, ask them to leave. You say, could you step outside for a minute? I only want positive thoughts in here right now. I don't mind doing it. I've made some people mad. But I've seen somebody healed too. But when he had put them out, in other words, he got rid of all the opposition. He got rid of all the negative people. And the only ones that were in there with him were Peter, James, and John. They were all positive. They believed in Jesus. They believed that Jesus could heal. And then he took the father and the mother of the damsel and those that were with him and entered to where the damsel was. And Jesus took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha come which means Damsel, I say unto you, arise. Get up and walk. And instantly, the damsel, the little girl, arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were amazed with great astonishment. They saw a miracle take place that day. But the one that really had the faith was the father. He's the one that went and got Jesus. And believe me, this father was not disappointed in his faith in Jesus Christ and what Christ had done. And he told them straight out that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given to her to eat. This little girl at 12 years old rose from the dead. Because of the Father's faith. Remember, he asked all of those that were negative 
He says, leave the room. I don't want you in here. What he was saying, you don't believe, you doubt, and doubt cancels faith. But on the other hand, faith cancels out doubt. You've got to figure out which is the strongest in you. Is it your faith or is it your doubt? It's the one you feed the most. Are you feeding your faith? How do I feed faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Getting the word of God. God's word brings you faith. When you don't know what God is saying and you're listening to everything in the world, you become doubtful and you become so negative about everything. So you've got to figure out, do you want faith or do you want doubt? It's totally up to us as to what we have on the inside of us. Does Jesus Christ abide in you? If he abides in you, he will cast out the doubt. If you let the word of Satan abide in you, he's going to cast out your faith. So it's totally up to us as to who and what abides in us. Yes, Jairus, he passed the faith test. He passed the faith test. His faith was so strong that Jesus did what he, what he asked because he believed. He believed. You know, I got to thinking about this, and I, I just kind of made me a note here, that, that Jairus, when they was on the, on the way back to heal his daughter, Jesus made a stop. Jairus didn't say anything about getting all excited. or Come on, Jesus, you don't need to stop here. We need to get on the road. But Jesus stopped for somebody else to do a healing in them. Maybe this was even to strengthen Jairus' faith when he saw it. You know who he stopped for? The woman with the issue of blood. For all those years, she could not get rid of it. But she exhibited her faith. Oh, if I can just but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Jesus said when she touched him, he said, who touched me? And all those said, what do you mean who touched you? Look at all these people gathered around you. Everybody could have touched you. He said, no, who touched me? For I felt virtue or I felt faith come out of me. I felt power. That's what virtue is, power. I felt power. Power, leave me. Where'd he go? Went into that woman with the issue of blood and healed her body. She said, and she knew, she was caught. She said, Lord, it was I. He said, go. Your faith has made you whole. You need to be made whole today? You need to touch of Jesus? Do you have the faith? Believe. You know, even when Jairus was told that his daughter had died, he did not lose faith. He still had faith in, in, in Jesus. I want to ask you dads and you grandfathers out there, what do your children and see in you? Do they see faith? Do you ever sit down and talk with your children or your grandchildren about Jesus, about his power? 
his ability to save, his ability to give eternal life. They need to know this. Because if you don't tell them about Jesus, the world certainly isn't. All the devil loves the opportunity to get children by themselves because of all the junk that he feeds them. You as fathers, as grandfathers, you need to fill your grandchildren, your children with the word of God. When you're filled with the word of God, there's no room for Satan's word to come in because they're so full already, they can't hold no more. And you need that word of God in there. Do your children see a dad who's not ashamed to see Jesus? Has your children ever watched you pray? Have they ever heard you pray and come into the presence of God? Are you a dad who trusts and calls on the name of Jesus? Do your children ever hear you call on the name of Jesus? Do they see a dad who is not ashamed to bring Jesus into their home? Do they see a dad who is not ashamed to commit the welfare of his family into the hands of Jesus? All fathers need to pray and commit their family into the hands of Jesus and ask for Jesus' hedge of protection to be put around his whole family. Even God's agreeing. Do they see a praying father? Do you pray in front of your children? Do you pray in front of them? I, I would pray that all fathers would follow the encouragement that Paul has given here in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation and to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm going to ask the band to come up. If you are here today and you need to talk to Jesus, we have an altar up here. If you're here today and you would like to have prayer, I would be more than happy to pray with you. I'd be more than happy to anoint you with oil, to lay hands on you and to pray for your need. But what you really need to do is invite Jesus into your home. He'll come and then make sure you introduce him to your children. That they know him. They know his love. They know his power. And they know that they can come to him at any time, day and night. They're never alone. They're never by themselves. They've always got a friend in Jesus who will hear them, listen to them and he will meet their needs so if you're here today and you just need to invite Jesus into your life, into your family's life, into your home please come down to the altar if you just want prayer, I'll be glad to anoint you with all and pray for you so I'm going to ask the band to play and if there's something you need God is here in this house today to answer that prayer.